Hello and welcome to the Pete Barter Podcast, where you will join Pete in interviewing top-level thought leaders in education, music, and business, as well as a sneak peek into Pete's thoughts and challenges. This episode is all about... So it's picking up wordsmith and being able to tell a story and not only be able to tell a story, but um, also to try and have people identify with what you're saying. Whatever you are doing right now, keep on doing it and enjoy this episode of the Pete Barter Podcast. Uh, we're just going to have a quick chat about his new uh, album that's out called Atlas Forever. And I've heard a, a sneak peek of a few of these tracks. And there's a couple of really cool tracks in this, man. Titch, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so as we're just talking off air, um, you Skype for a while and uh, actually this is my first podcast. So There you go, man. Yeah, it's, it's sort of, I find, pod, have, you, have you listened to podcasts though in the past? Uh, yeah, I had a, actually, there was a friend of mine, the guy I recorded with, his friend was really into podcasts about, probably when they first started about sort of 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. And it was pretty foreign to me, but he um, he was actually quite popular with his podcast. He had hit about 500,000 followers. Wow, that's pretty good, man. Yeah, yeah so I, yeah, I have heard the podcast before, so but never been on, uh, never been interviewed on one. Yeah, cool. I, I love podcasts because I can kind of just put on some topical conversations or really get in-depth knowledge from whatever field that I'm playing in at the time and, and just have it in my ears and just go about my day with, with whatever and... I can just feed off really, um, well, usually I do my research on the person doing the podcast, but if they're a proclaimed, proclaimed expert in the area of whatever, I will, you know, I'll follow them and I'll listen to everything they've got to say and I'll learn from that. So I find that uh, podcasts are far less intrusive than a video, sitting and yep. watching and you know, we all get branded with sitting and watching TVs being a bad thing. Which, if yeah. we're watching episodes of Lost or you know House of Cards and all those sorts of things, then yeah, there's probably no no actual value in that. But when we're sitting and watching um, something that we could just be listening to, I think that's better value if we're just listening. Like I might just do boring crap around the house, like dishes and you know cleaning up, and I will put. Uh, Often I get CDs sent, you know, you're sending me one out, which is awesome, and I'll get to listen to that in its entirety, uh, and I'll do that, and I'll give it the time it, it deserves. But there's other times where I just want to have some information go in, and and podcasts yep. definitely are, are that thing for me when I'm on a plane or, or whatever, and if, I've, if I'm doing like an hour trip and the album goes for an hour, then, then that's a perfect match, you know. I'll try and find an album or a set of music that I haven't heard before to get me... Yep. You know, through the flight, and if it's a fourteen-hour flight, then you know there's you a got lot, a lot of, of business. Have, yeah, man, there's a lot of business that goes into my head on a flight. I think it's amazing that uh, that's the only place that I can really sit in a chair and have no one else bug me except for you know when they come and bring me food, which I'm totally cool with, yeah. and then just sort of get involved in like really immerse myself into a topic and take notes and. Um, yeah, so that's what podcasts do for me, and and you know I I think it's a, a really good way to connect your music yep. uh, to potential listeners and customers, clients, whoever, um, because a lot of podcasts like my intro it has some music with it. 
and it's just royalty free music that I got. So, you know, if I'd if I'd heard of your music earlier, I would have grabbed your stuff and, you know, every time my podcast and there's no stopping me from changing that. Maybe we can talk about what what track would be great for that. There's a yeah, couple, no, sure. There's a couple of guys that have really good podcast followers and and uh, like Gary V, you and I have talked about him a bit. And he's really heavy into your kind of music, so I think you'd, you'd have a good chance of getting some of your gear played. But he just gets so much of that stuff uh, come through to, to his inbox. So there is a way to do it, and that's the hustle, and that's why we're talking, man, because you've got the hustle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I got on to Gary V through you, know, you um, obviously, and, yeah, he seems like a really sort of a, a real go-getter, isn't he? Yeah, man. He's, he's yes. yeah, he's, yeah, totally. He just gets shit done. There's no... There's no excuses. Just get it, get it done. Yeah, cool. Yeah, man. So uh, tell me, just go back a little bit. Let's talk about some other albums that you've got um, out in, at the moment, and then we'll, we'll hone in on your latest creation. Okay. Well, basically, I've had a, I've had about three or four releases over the last sort of five to six years, mm-hmm. uh, dating back to when I got a grant from SA 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 government. Okay. Uh, um, and that was called Home Devil Street Angel, and that was in 2010. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so that was really good. Got a $10,000 grant from um, Arts SA. Yeah. And uh, then the following year, got another grant mm-hmm. and put out um, Rhythm Talker. That, that was another album, Rhythm Talker. These are these two albums are on iTunes and all, all good platforms. So well, let's go back. Let's go back. The 10 grand that you got, where did that go? Let's split up that money. Where did it go? How did how did you spend that? What is why does it take 10 grand to put out an album? All right. Well, basically, we were doing it mainly digital. So we did print some um, hard copies, mm-hmm. but we spent about two to three grand in servicing to um, college and. Uh, sort of semi-commercial radio in the states, mm-hmm. okay. and uh, so yeah, so you got to get a radio plugger, and that's actually quite expensive. Right. Um, so the ra- radio plugger is basically there to um, facilitate your music to all the radio stations uh, in America. P- like a PR agent. I guess. Yeah, basically like a yeah. PR. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. So they so they do that for a few months. So it's about two or three grand on that. Mm-hmm. Then you've got uh, the production costs, obviously the CDs. Um, the mastering of the music, so the final sort of yep. um, tweaking of the music to make it sound really good, mm-hmm. and um, and really odds and ends. You know, we did t-shirts and flyers and all that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, we used the ten grand wisely, mm-hmm. but you know, it goes pretty easily. I mean, ten grand, ten grand isn't a lot in um, when you're trying to compete against the big boys. It does, absolutely, mate. So you got to be you got to be out there, and and I know that. Um, uh, there was a band that came out in the 90s. Well, they've been around for a while, but they really hit the big time in the 90s when they brought out their, um, I think it was, it was Ugly Kid Joe. I can't remember the song, but uh, Cats in the Cradle. Yes, and it came with a hat. Oh, <laughs> did it? Uh, the CD was, or the record, or the tape. It was. Yeah. It wasn't really a yeah. CD thing. It was a tape or a little vinyl at that point, um, yeah. stuck to a board, and there was a tape, atta- uh, a hat attached to the the purchase and it was a free hat the same yeah. price as a record next to it that didn't have a hat so i went i'm gonna buy that one because it's got a fucking hat and i didn't yeah. even i didn't even know who they were yeah. and and that got them up the charts yeah right yeah i actually bought that single i didn't get a hat so i'm well there you I'm, go <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not happy with that <laughs> <laughs> the uh yeah man and, and it's just being a little bit a little bit kitsch 
with your uh, with your approach, and you know you can spend ten grand the same way as everybody else, and you'll get the same results as everybody else. But if you if you focus that some of that money into something a little unique, uh, not everybody would do a shirt, you know, with, with their stuff. So yeah, know, well that's, that's right. Yeah, I did a t-shirt and sort of gave it to friends and that, and then we're able to sort of sell off a few as well, like at some gigs and stuff. So that was good. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So you've divided that up. Your ten grand's divided up, and you've got all your things. So you did the same kind of process twice with the the two grants that you got. Yeah, well, second grant we got, we only got six grand. Okay. Um, so they thought maybe ten grand was a bit excessive the first time. Right. But, but Arts SA, you know, they've got a strict budget. Mm. So basically, the second time we did it around, and uh, we didn't do the servicing to the US. We kept it within Australia. Right. Yeah. Okay. So did you get much love in the US? Well, yeah, we, we got we got a little bit uh, on college ra- on some of the college radios. We charted in the top ten. Oh, cool, man! For about there was about you know, we, we got a um, report sheet every week, mm-hmm. and uh, it was heading towards getting towards the, the semi mainstream stations. Cool, but it didn't quite bite. But um, certainly, yeah, we we peaked it um, in the top ten on about four or five college radio charts. That's good, brother. That's awesome. There's a lot of listeners. Do you have any contact with those people now? Like not just the colleges, but the actual listeners of that. Is there was there any way of you connecting with them? Not really. It was, um, I mean, pretty much straight after we got, we got a report and we sort of moved on from there. Mm. But really, we should have been out. We, while we went back for the grant again, it was to follow that sort of, you know, the impact we had with the first one. Yeah. But uh, Arts SA didn't see it that way. So we just concentrated on Australia with a, with a sort of a lower budget. Yeah. Well, I've got my views on Arts SA and, you know, local government funding. And do they, do they fund you locally to keep you locally? Uh, or do they do they like to see you spread your wings, spread your wings, and and get out? Because we all know that if you're running a business here in Adelaide or a, running a band, which is like you know it's a business, um, if you're running a show here in Adelaide, your chances of it's just population really. That's that's the punchline I'm getting at. Population in the states, if you get one percent of all college grads or college students to listen to your stuff, you've got twice the population of Australia in total. Yeah, um, yeah. That's right. So, well, yeah, but they, they didn't really see it that way. I think they thought it was maybe a bit excessive. Okay, um, two or three grand spending on that uh, when we couldn't come back with a sort of a monetary figure as to how much we'd made. Mm, right. Um, so I think I think I think that's where they sort of analysed it to be maybe that's not worth another another you know another grant of that proportion. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, but you're right. I think they. Do. I, I think they do keep want to keep you local. Yeah, um, I, it's, I don't know. Look, I, I, I'm probably a little bit dirty with it. Um, I'm private, independent, have no government strings attached to me whatsoever, so I can kind of do what I need to do and not be, not be keyhole or pigeonholed or you know stuck in some kind of rut uh, politically. So I, I kind of have a different view on it. I think if if you were to go to the states with 10 grand's worth of cash in your back pocket and spend that not go physically but get your music over there and expect a return then i don't think that happens in the first year it doesn't happen in the second third fourth tenth year even you know you can plug away and it's you can't keep throwing money at it you need to see some kind of return but in the first year it's be so hard to 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 retrieve or to get a, a ROI 
on your money going in. So that's that's interesting. I'm 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 intrigued yeah. with that process, and I guess yeah. I'll never know it because I'll never I'll never want to go in and ask the questions. Yeah, but definitely, like I mean, the way the industry is set up as well. I mean, you know, if you're an, if you're a, a, an, an artist, you can't really expect to you know generally be recouping all your money on your first or second album. It's usually yeah. come it's out before or five. Yeah, yeah, before you see returns. You know what I mean? Because you yeah. build up the fan. Yeah, totally. So, uh, That's it. Yeah. That's why I asked if you had any connection with your um, your college listeners. <laughs> Because yeah. they're they're listening and they got you to the top ten in in the charts. So having a having some kind of connection with them would have been would have been yeah. great. So I I personally, what I would have done, uh, I would have gone right. Where am I charting? Did you get the list of the colleges that were playing your music? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we yeah. We could, report, yep. So I would have done this. I would have gone. I would have sent some stuff over. I would have sent something weird like an actual cassette tape with me being on it saying thank you for playing my music it's awesome yeah uh, i'd love you to come to a virtual gig that we're doing jump online go to um titchlang.com i'm assuming you have a website maybe you don't yeah i did have a website yeah yep yep so you go to a website and you, you subscribe and i invite you all to be involved in my vr gig which i'm doing in a couple of weeks or a couple of months and just yeah. get them to your site so they register with their email address so then you've got a direct communication with them. It's Building an email list is the most important thing. I've said that in millions of, of, of podcasts that I've done. Not millions because I haven't done millions. But, but all, most of them, we've talked about building a list via getting people to your site, taking them from the messy noise of social media and getting them to your site. And if you've got a million people that have listened to your stuff and only 10% of those and get to your site that's a massive instant fan base that you've got and you invite them to your free vr gig which is a virtual reality gig you set up yeah. your camera you know you they put on their vr goggles and you you sing and you do your thing into the camera and you know it's something yeah. unique something they haven't seen before maybe they have i don't know but yeah. you, it's just a free invite and you get to connect with them and you talk to them about their college and you do an online open forum and you have a chat to them and you ask them about their culture and you just connect with them and that, that's what I would have done to try and yeah. to try and really connect with them with connect to their eyes and their ears and their brain instead of just subconsciously playing the music through their you know their their playlist yeah um, but you know there's, there's always another shot at this it's never never yeah. it's never an end game in music that's for sure yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, I'd definitely take that on board. And as I said, I mean, basically when we did it as well seven years ago, eight years ago, um, we were under the guidance of a a, um, a manager okay. at that time, and he was pretty much calling the shots. So Yeah, right. Uh, who, was, who was that manager? How did you f come about uh, finding them? Uh, I actually sent my, I sent my music out, as I do, to people around Australia. Mm -hmm. And a guy uh, who runs uh, the Arts Law, um, I, I forget his name, his first name was Robert, and um, he sent uh, to this manager, and the manager really liked our music, and he sort of worked with us for a couple of years. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so that was one of, the one of the two releases he did with us. So, yeah, but he was, I guess he was more sort of, you know, the... Um, stereotypical type manager just wanting to you know do everything by the book sort of thing okay uh, you know just yeah because it, from his point of view I mean he, he worked with some successful acts like Joy Division and New Water back in this, in, in England yeah yeah and he, he'd come out here because uh, he got married to an Australian woman mm -hmm. and uh, so he was sort of running a publishing company and managing groups at the same time so okay cool yeah, yeah. <clears throat> 
Yeah, yeah. I know the guy you're talking about. I'm, I'm looking at his page right now. Robert Drewy, I reckon his name was. Um, uh, uh, no, Andrew Penhallow. Uh, right, okay. Cool. Andrew Penhallow, yeah. Nice, man. So, well, look, that's, that's, that's cool. That's cool. But 10 years ago, the market was completely different. Seven years ago, the market was completely different. So yeah, yeah, how yeah. we how we work that these days is totally different. Um, so, yeah. all right. So that's album one, album two, album three is is what we're here to talk about. Yep, and that's uh, Atlas Forever. Yeah, man. And that's just uh, just been pretty much just been finished. So finished two weeks ago. Cool. And uh, got the seat, got some CDs back. Been sending them around. Um, I'm having a radio servicing done here in Australia at the moment. That's in its early stages. Cool. Uh, for the lead single, Wise Guy, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, you'll be getting a CD uh, early next week as well. That's awesome, brother. Looking forward to it, man. I really am. That's cool. So getting your stuff played on the radio here, how do you go about that? Yeah, that is pretty difficult. Um, I mean, I've tried to you know be a lone hand and try and do it myself, mm-hmm. but the way the radio stations work these days, and I've... And it, I mean, 10, 15 years ago, I'd sent a, a gold CD into Triple J with my name on it, scribbled my name on it and the song, yep. and they played it. Yep. Nowadays, you've got to be, have more of a representation, a more professional approach. Yeah. Uh, okay. And hence, the radio pluggers are actually quite important still, mm. which, yeah, which I don't know why that is, but they still are important. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting world, and I think radio... Radio versus iTunes and Spotify and all those sorts of things, you know, there's what comes first? Is it the local free-to-air radio or is it getting found accidentally on Spotify? This is how I work. I don't know. I might just be the odd one out, but I haven't actually put a radio. I don't even have a radio in my car. It doesn't work. So I'm always iPhone, headphones, podcast or or iTunes or Spotify. People cringe at Spotify. They don't pay their artists enough, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know what uh, I've got some stuff on Spotify. It's you know it shows me some money every now and then, not much and nothing to you know retire on. But yep. my view as a punter, I get to hear some of some. Of, I just put in a genre, and if I like the genre, like the music that comes at me from the genre, all I need to do is pick up my phone, look at the screen, click on the title, click on the artist, and that takes me to all their stuff, and I can yep. buy directly through that as well. So. And with radio, they don't fucking back announce anything these days. Yeah. They 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 talk more about their commercials and their competitions than they do their music. Yeah. Obviously, we're talking commercial radio stations here, so they're getting paid to play adverts, not getting paid to play music. Mm. So when I look at my phone and there's a there's a there's a song that's on and I like it, I can actually connect directly with the album and make the purchase there and then. I can't do that with radio. Yeah. So unless it's digital radio, you know, but digital radio in a car, I don't know, I don't have one in my car, but if you have a digital radio in your car, does that allow you to push a few buttons on your dash and make the purchase? I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my, my thinking is, is radio losing its grip like TV is losing its grip? Because yeah. your attention is on your phone these days. And you, That's right. When, and... And if you're watching anything on TV, like a sports game or a, a TV show, as soon as the ad comes on and you don't fast forward it, or well, you can't, you, if you do what I do, you pick up your phone and you spend your advert time scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or Musical.ly or Snapchat or you know all these other social medias. 
Mm. That's what I do. Maybe I'm the odd one out. I don't know. Um, maybe, but like, like I listen to Gary Vee and he say the attention's here in your phone. It's, that's where the attention goes. So yeah. adverts on TVs are not even being viewed. Uh, yeah. I don't listen to radio. I don't know many people that, in my circle of friends, we don't sort of go and hang around a radio anymore and listen to the music. Yeah. So maybe maybe there's a different way of approaching it. Uh, these are just questions, and I never really have the answers. I just I look for the questions, and maybe yeah. the, the question that we could find some resolve in would be: Do we do this album? Like, if I was to put an album out now, do I do it wholly and solely through social media, through like yeah, social digital. media being digital? Yeah, like don't even worry about the radios, and eventually yeah. the radios stop getting given their stuff from good local artists like you yeah, and they only get the big top end stuff and then they end up playing, which is what I'm hearing, they end up playing the same song 20 times a fucking day because yeah, yeah. that's what everyone loves and that's what the radio station's getting paid to, to play, I guess. So, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's a good point to you, mate. Uh, to be honest, I don't do radio plugging a lot mm-hmm. and I guess the only reason I really did it this year is because I wanted some form of release yeah and uh i think one of the things that the people who are putting my music out actually do do is they do put it on itunes and spotify and all that sort of thing as well yeah so i did go down that path uh but yeah certainly radio i know they play the top end stuff and they play the same song 20 times a day um yeah so, so did you chuck your stuff on cd baby yeah, I chuck the yeah. It's on it's on CD. Yeah, cool. So, I mean, CD Baby is in the digital digital distribution. Because like, uh, yeah, I'm not sure, but how did you get it onto iTunes? I see you're on here. I'm looking at you now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the guy who's organising, he's actually the drummer of um, Birds of Tokyo. The guy's organising it. Oh, sweet. Uh, Adam West, Adam Weston's his name, and um, he 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 runs a sort of a small sort of um, distribution slash um, cool. record company. All right. And so I guess through his obviously setups and connections that he's made, he can get on iTunes and Spotify and yeah, like that. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, yeah, uh, he may have it on CD, baby, but he definitely told me there's quite a few platforms he's putting it on, not just those ones. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, when you go through CD, baby, I may be letting his cats out of some bags here, but you know, we yeah. we produced eight albums last year, and they all went to uh, they all went through the CD, baby process, the machine, the CD, yeah. baby machine. When you log on to that, that gives your stuff, um, uh, it gets your stuff on. Google, uh, like Google Cloud, Spotify, um, iTunes, there's like 13 other platforms that your stuff will get listed on. And it's like yeah. $90 um, to put up your full CD. And people can buy the CD from CD Baby directly and they can also um, obviously download it digitally and they can get the physical copy sent to them as well through this one platform. Yeah, right. so it's a pretty cool little setup, man. City Baby are, are definitely doing some good things. They're, 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 they call themselves the best independent music store on the web. Yeah. So they're, they're, a, they're literally a digital distributor that gets yep. your stuff to, um, to, to the world's largest platforms like iTunes. So, yeah. But, yeah. you know, your guy may be doing it a different way, which is, which is cool. Yeah, maybe a different way. But, yeah, definitely if I look at doing something, you know, independently myself, that's definitely an avenue I can take. 
Yeah, yeah, cool, man. So you have someone running the gauntlet for you. You have someone managing and and taking care of that, which is which is which is yeah. great, man. That allows you the the chance to just focus on you being you and being the music because you know uh, there's kind of a gray area. There's a big uh, well, there's a big black line or there's a little thin line, whatever way you look at it. The the artist is becoming their own self manager now, and they have to kind of dilute to some degree the passion and the music and the love and the 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 artisticness of being a musician they've got to dilute that and start being a bit business minded which yeah. most musicians don't feel good about because they're all oh my god I'm a musician I don't want to be selling my own stuff <laughs> so having yeah. having someone run that gauntlet for you allows you to just you be you you be the artist and someone yeah. take on the management which is great yeah 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 but I totally understand because I've um, I sort of have been doing that you know, personally myself, like semi self managing for the last sort of ten years. Yep. And I've I've run into people who've asked me if I can do it for them, but I'm like, well I'm shit, I'm doing it myself. Mm. Can't really take on your stuff as well, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear because you. They, yeah, because you're right, you know, mu- musicians don't generally like to wanna sell themselves yep. in that regard. Yeah. Um it really tells them what they do, but then it seems if they have to, you know, mm. start selling themselves and you know, telling people how good they are, that's sort of they draw the line there. Yeah, but I don't think that's weird. Like if you know you're good, just like you, you know, we can all be humble musicians, but no one gets fucking paid for being humble. Um, no, like we we can be uh, an amazing plumber or an amazing sign writer, and we can go to any business and say, "Hey, I noticed the front window on your shop looks pretty blank and empty. I'm I can take care of it for you, and we can make it look really really awesome." And I'm going to charge you for that. So as a musician, I don't think we'd ever say those words. We'd ever say, hey, your pub sounds a bit, you know, let's add some music to this. We'll make it have a really cool vibe and I'll charge you for that. Yeah. I don't see where there's there's no, there shouldn't be a distance between the two, but then there is. And then, yeah. then the musician, the music industry is kind of wondering why. I'm being completely general here, of course. Yeah. Um, the musicians in the industry are wondering why they're not getting treated professionally. Yeah. But they're trying to run a professional outfit and, like, they need to be pro with, with like, you're taking the massive pro approach, man. Like, you've got the shirts, the, the marketing, your branding, everything is, is great and that, that's certainly important as any business should have. Yeah. So tell me, what are the, what are the, uh, the plans for the album? Do you have a rollout of, of events and launches and dates and you know signings and whatever. uh no no at this stage uh it's i'm really doing it because it's my 25th year of actually doing hip-hop music wicked i wanted to have a, a release this year nice. so that's why i did seek um adam weston out from firestarter music mm-hmm. and um basically the plan is obviously to try and get some sort of um radio action happening um but really, past there, I haven't, I haven't, you know, been in on the sort of the performing circuit for a while. Yeah. So that's not a priority at this stage. And Adam Weston's been like, well, if you know, if you're not going to do that, you might actually have to put something else out to follow up after this release, mm-hmm. which I'm, to- which I'm totally happy with because really, I'm the old school sort of recording artist these days, where I'll record a lot, but I won't get out and perform as much. Yeah. Cool. I get you. Yeah, so that you know, if I, if I definitely have to put out another release to follow up, just to like you said with the college thing, you know, follow up. 
um, with any connections and that an audience you get, mm-hmm. then I'm more than happy to um, get in the studio because that's really what I love doing, you know, getting in and recording recording music. Yeah, that's awesome. Whereabouts would you perform around here? Um, well, it's hard because when I first came out here to Adelaide, um, I, um, I got performed at the Fringe and I got into the Big Day Out and all that sort of thing. And obviously yeah. the Fringe still goes, but there's no such thing as a Big Day Out anymore. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, a lot, uh, the, the scene is very, um, there's a word for it, it may be clicky or, but it's like there's not a lot of live stuff going on in terms of um, every weekend you can see hip hop act, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Okay. It's more. Um, it's more like you have to go. You have to get involved in like a, a big show of some sort, or like a, like a performance with other artists, you know, yeah. putting on an event. Mm. So it's still it's still the same. Like it's still the same. Like you know, if you really want to get involved in doing big live shows and stuff, you still have to go east and you know, go, yeah, yeah, find find where the venues and the performances are. Yeah, I did some time here. I played in a band, uh, hip hop. I played in a band that supported a hip hop artist from South Africa a little while ago. Uh, he moved to Adelaide from South Africa because he heard there was a decent hip hop kind of vibe here, um, and he did well. He did a few things, and he was very positive. Hop, you know, he's, he's not talking about you know stabbing your mum in the eyeball, and you know, and your stuff is really like positive and inspirational. So he. Uh, he found it really hard to find the right places to play where he wasn't having his brand watered down by the the I guess the the underground hip hop, which all hip hop's political, and I love the the lyrics that come along with it, and it's a really great. There's no other music that tells a story as well as hip hop. But when you're a when you're a young guy and you haven't lived a life yet, you know you you don't have a massive amount of of actual real life things to talk about so they just dwell on the same bullshit over and over again and my life sucks and popping caps in your ass and you know, all that and they were kind of the shows that we ended up playing at and 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 twig i don't know if you've heard of twig but twig is is great he moved to townsville now he's doing some cool stuff over there but he he went i can't be doing these gigs with these guys because i'm not this kind of hip-hop and yeah. and at that point we really went well. There's lots of different types of hip hop, and maybe you're you're not suited to be the performing hip hop here in Adelaide. Maybe there's bigger venues and like Hilltop Hoods and and um, uh, what else is there? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's oh, there's so many good bands, that, that, but they don't play every weekend. But, but they play really good shows, and that's where I think you're you're getting at, yeah. 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 So um, it, it is. It's a difficult one, especially when uh, you know Adelaide is a little bit smaller than some of the ones over in uh, you know sort of Melbourne and Sydney. Mm. So you tend to have like maybe a few top end guys who play the big shows, and then you've got a whole bunch of guys fighting out for the rest of those shows. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Well, yeah. Look, I think um, the whole world's changing, and the way you adapt your music to it. Um, is how you'll stand out from everybody else. I don't know the full Kendrick Lamar backstory, but he had a massive online presence before he did any show. Yeah, right. He was a social media guy. He He was launching his stuff and he followed it up with really good tactics and he was really well known as as a as Kendrick Lamar on social media, Facebook, you know, Spotify, blah 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 blah. He was getting a lot of plays before yeah. he did any major live show. Like he was doing little shows, 
But then he stopped doing those and he focused on the business side and getting a brand name out there. Yeah. And I think his, um, like, what's his, I know he's got, like, a bucket load of followers on, on Facebook. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to find that thing. Oh, yeah. he's, he's one of the top guys in the world now, Kendrick Lamar. Totally, man. But he kind of, well, he wasn't an overnight success. He's worked his ass off at this. He's got a lot of, you know, backlog of, of stuff, stuff that he's put out. But I think he decided not to. I'm actually going to go put some time into to figuring out his backstory and learning it. But he's like yeah. got 8 million likes, you know. So, oh, yeah. and his backstory, no one's ever an overnight success, and he definitely wasn't. But he, yeah. I think he changed his track and, and and didn't do the same as everybody else was doing. He focused on on just becoming that brand online and had a massive reach instead of yeah. spending as much money on doing live shows where you don't pocket anything. You're yeah. spending the same amount of money on creating awareness of yeah. his stuff, getting and he's got a great story and he, he's really good at what he does, so that helps. You know, you've got to have talent and you do have and he does have. So yeah. having having talent is important because we see a lot of guys in business that are really good at sh- at like the marketing, the branding, and but they don't actually have any talent at what they do. Yep. So you know you, you might be the world's best displayed plumber. We'll go with plumber again. Yeah. But you actually do not ha- know how to join pipes. Yeah. Very well, and they leak. So you're soon you're soon falling in a whole pile of shit there. Literally, pardon the pun, because you know you're not yeah. doing a good job, but you look like you know what you're doing. Yeah, okay, yeah. But the, the, the other way, it might be you're amazing at what you do. He's just, um, he's like the world's best plumber. He's actually really good at it, but no one knows him because he's not promoting himself. So you've got to find the beautiful line between the two. And I think Kendrick's story, and I'm going to do my research on this, but Kendrick's story was he created so much backlog with work and did really great with his 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 songwriting and his lyrics and his, his poetical, you know, um, on stage uh, antics but he stopped doing that and then he just focused heavily on just creating this massive front line through social media all of his social medias are huge yeah. now that he's got that front line he can just say hey I've got a show coming up here's my ticket price you know and so I think that's that's the different way of doing it and he, you know he's probably doing all this without the help of radio yeah yeah probably yeah so I mean, yeah, I've never heard a Kendrick Lamar song on radio, mm. um, but I know who he is. I know exactly who he is. There you so, go. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So you know, man, I really love. I really love just pulling these things apart and yeah, and and seeing how how it can be done differently. Yeah. Because everyone tends to do the same thing and they go down the same road and they end up doing the same as last time and the time before and yeah. Um, so one of the bands that I'm in. <coughs> We're doing this. Um, the band's been around for about ten years. I was in the band ten years ago, and they haven't really done much since I, I, I left. Uh, they've changed the name a couple of times, which doesn't help, you know, gain traction. Um, they've got a pretty decent following. Uh, it's a bit of a garage band kind of thing, but they've got a good following. They've got a good story. Uh, the music's pretty tight, and so we're doing a. We're not going to do any live shows for the next six months. We're focusing all uh, doing one show, and that's a, like I said, the VR show. So we sell yep. a ticket. A ticket price might be fifteen bucks, and it'll be in the shittiest time of the year where no one wants to go out, and they definitely don't want to go out and spend money. So we'll come to them. 
we'll they'll they'll buy a ticket online and we'll send them out some VR goggles. Yep. And uh, we'll do a live VR event, which they sit on a chair in their lounge room and they look around the room because we'll all be facing the 360 camera. Yep. And they can be involved in the event and everything's recorded directly through and they put their earphones in from their phone and everything sounds sweet. And it'll be just like they're there, apart from the, you know, they're not getting rained on, they don't have to find parking. It may completely ruin the industry, but why not do it? Because people are getting into VR now and it might just be that thing that that helps bands make some money through doing gigs through the winter months because Adelaide goes to sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This VR sounds interesting. Yeah. uh, I haven't really heard much of it, to be honest. Well, if you just Google VR or go Google VR cardboard, um, I've got a contact where I can buy a lot of these things for for not much money. You can get them fully branded. So, you know, there's a couple of ideas that I'm throwing around. I'm I'm not really – I'm probably bad at keeping ideas close to my chest and I probably should do that more often. (laughs) But but I think, uh, you know, there's enough room. And I know there's enough room in the music industry in the world where everybody can try something for the first time. And it might be the same as someone else has tried the same thing for the first time. Yep. So, you know, and there's other bands that have, have done similar to what we're doing, but we're doing it something a little bit differently. Um, but it's also creating content. It's a live recording of the event. So you yep. being a solo artist, you don't do it with a band. Yep. Well, you can do, of course, but do it with your backing tracks. It's probably going to yep. be a little bit easier for you to do and... And sell tickets, or or do free do a here's maybe something you could do, do a CD launch, a live CD launch online, and you do a Facebook live, so you invite people to the Facebook live event, and Facebook allows you to um, uh, advertise an upcoming live event now. Yep. But the thing with Facebook Live, it only goes to your fans that like your page. Kendrick Lamar would do that. There'll be eight million people that could potentially be watching. You maybe not so much. But when you use a platform like Periscope, it goes to anybody in the world who also has Periscope. Um, For an example, uh, I often see, I'm in my studio here. I don't know if you can see that, but I've got my drum kit over here. Everything's light up. Uh, It goes goes through Periscope. When a student doesn't rock up, I still do a lesson for that student. I log into Periscope. The last time I did that, I had a 1,000 people viewing a half-hour drum lesson that I was doing for Johnny. Yep. And that gave me access to another thousand people who some of those guys subscribed and every time I jump on and do a drum lesson now, they get a notification and they listen and they like. And the funny thing was I got three actual students that drove to me from around Adelaide to have lessons and another five or six started having lessons on Skype. So little Johnny didn't rock up. He still got his lesson because he still paid for it. And I promoted what I was doing and did a lesson for little Johnny to a thousand other people watching and I've gained seven other lessons from it. Yeah, right. Cool. So it's it's a pretty cool little thing, man. So you know, check out that little that little hustle. Yeah, Periscope. Yeah. Yeah, cool. There's all these things happening now. Digital, isn't there? Like, it's, it's, as you said, the world's changed. You it know, is. Like, it's it changed. And you got to you got to ride the wave, man, and and create the change. And when when so I like to trend stacks. So at the moment, VR is kind of starting to get a trend. I think we yep. won't see nothing major and. And the, the whole dynamic of um, going to a sports game probably won't stop happening for the next, you know, 10, 15 years, maybe earlier. But eventually you'll be able to go to the game and be on field next to your player. 
you know, and you can you can be with them. You know, I don't know. There's a whole world, and check it out. VR is pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're using some AR augmented reality, like Pokemon Go was. You know, that died off pretty quick. But that was that was kind of the introduction to what the hell is this augmented reality? Um, VR is the next level, and eventually we'll probably wear contact lenses and. We can turn the things on and off with a thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 It's yeah. Cool. Pretty insane stuff. So, all right. Cool. I think I've, I've cut you off a heap today, man. I apologise. Let's keep going with a little bit with the album. So, yep. your your album. There's is there an actual launch date? Well, no. Uh, the release date was actually last last Friday. Okay. Good Friday. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of uh, being on on iTunes and stuff like that. Yep. So it is out there for you know people to, to check out and, cool. and buy. Nice. Um, as I said, yeah. I, I, now I feel like I'm almost a dinosaur doing radio, uh, <laughs> doing radio plugging when you're doing all this cool stuff, man. But it's not cool uh, yet. It's not cool yet. It's just something that's about to happen. Radio, radio is being so. Um, yeah. Radio got pushed out by TV. Yeah. And TV is getting pushed out by mobile phones and Facebook. Yeah. So why would we? Why would we try and advertise on TV when no one's watching it? Yeah. In the adverts, they might watch a TV show, but they're not watching the adverts. So yeah. unless you've got product placement, which is what influencers do, if you were, uh, I don't know, if you could go to, which you can do, you can go on Instagram and you can have a, a good idea of who is in your local area. Uh, and how many followers? So let's just say that who's who's the biggest hip hop star in your local area? I don't know how you'd figure that out, but I know there's definitely ways that you could do that. Yeah. You would ask them to collaborate with you and do a live show and maybe do a verse for yeah. you, you know. And and then they they're an influencer. They've got tens of thousands of people following them. Yeah, you know, and and you you kind of got to collaborate. It's connecting businesses together. They're running a business like you are, and you're sharing your audience with them. And you know, you yeah. have to say, look, your audience is way bigger than mine. Let's can how how can I be involved and get in touch with your audience? Can I suggest that we do a live show on Facebook together? I'll sing some of your stuff. You do some of my stuff, and you know, we collab in the middle somewhere. Yeah, and Facebook doesn't cost you anything to do a live show. You set up some. You do like a proper production, like you set up some fucking killer lights in your house. You, yep. you you record it directly through, so you record through a mic, so it's not just a crappy you know iPhone speaker. You go through a desk, and you add yep. all your compression, and you you actually do it like you'd be going to a, a like a a desk to record, like you've done. Yeah. But the line out directly into your phone with the iRig. You yep. know you, you've you're on your way to not only giving someone a live performance. You've created some content and all the in-between stuff, the banter, becomes something you can use to entice people to check out your other shit. I don't know. I'm just making this shit up as I go. Yeah, yeah, nice. It's cool. Uh, You know, I I haven't obviously heard this sort of perspective on things before, so... Yeah, mm, me either. I don't. I don't hear them either until I start flapping it around. <laughs> cool. All right. So you got no. You got no launch. You got no launch. I'm stuck on that one. I'm stuck on that. Yeah. No. The reason why basically there's no launch is because, uh, as I said, I've been out of. I've been out of performing for ten years. Mm-hmm. That's what it's happened. 
I've been yeah. out. Uh, I I was like a mad. What's happened was when I first came to Adelaide, mm-hmm. I had no CD and it was too expensive to make a CD, right? Yeah. But it was actually quite easy to go to the pub or a, a venue and say, I can perform. Yeah. Give me 50 bucks to do, you know, four songs. Yeah. You'd actually do that 15 years ago. Yep. And venue, venue people seem to be quite willing to do that. Mm-hmm. So I was all perform, all perform, all perform. Yeah. And I got to the point where I was like, well, shit, it's too expensive to make a CD. But how many times and- did you perform? Oh, lots. I mean, I got on Fringe, I got on the Triple J I'm Live. Doing, I'm going to do the maths right now. So... Yeah. Let's do the math. How many yep. how many performances would you have done in a year? Let's roughly. Let's just say a really good year that I had, say two thousand. I did the Fringe. Uh, I did Triple J Live. Um, yeah, and then I did a whole host of pubs. So I probably would have done in a year probably twenty performances or something. Great, uh, which is a lot for me to be th- honest. That's it's tw- a lot of twenty performances, like one every second week. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's cool. All right, let's at the fringe. Um, whereabouts did you perform at the fringe? Uh, Fowler's Live, or the old Lion Art Centre. Yeah, I know the place. Um, I used to have an office in the building. What? Uh, how many people were at that show? It was it was packed. Wicked. It was like it was called Fresh Bait, mm-hmm. but it showcased all artists with no um, like you know like no recording contract or anything. Yep. But it was packed. It was yep. like I don't know how many they can fit back then. Probably about five hundred, something okay. like that. Okay, cool. It was totally packed to the rafters. Nice man. And Triple J Live. How many uh, were yeah. at that show? You think? Uh, well, it was just in a in a room probably with about I don't know fifty people, but it went out obviously all around Australia. Yep. Yeah, it was a Sunday night show run by Fenella Kernerbone called Creatures. Mm-hmm. So yep. you, that would have had exposure to I don't know, let's say really modestly. A thousand people. Yeah, that's like a stupid number, right? Probably more like a hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, let's just say fifty thousand. So you know, we're yeah. not we're not being silly about it. Fifty thousand and pubs. How many people were at the pubs collectively? Uh, pubs, pubs weren't as good. They were real hit and miss because, like, pubs honestly performing in front of about ten people. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes you know there'd be a good crowd at a pub and you might perform in front of a hundred people. Sort of right. Thing. So let's just say over the the few pub gigs that you've done, maybe collectively a thousand. Yeah. All right. Cool. So not including the live to air stuff, we include yep. that in a second. But that's um, like fifteen hundred people that you've played to in a year. Yeah. And, and then, then like, yeah, sorry, I was going to say the big day outs as well. I did as well. So of course, of course. Yeah. Um, how many um, big? Yeah, big DO man. So I've done two big day outs. I did one in '99 and one when I came here to Adelaide in the 2000s. So. Probably performing, they were packed stage as well. One was the boiler room was probably about, I don't have anything in the boiler room. I think it's about maybe Two, 500. Three. Yeah, about 500 or something. Like you know that, that boiler room yeah, they used yeah. to have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's, you know, the Chemical Brothers and all those sort of bands are playing there. Nice. Yeah. And then um, probably the Perth one wasn't as big. It was on the lily pad stage. That was more where there was um, like, uh, it was like a more alternate sort of thing. Yep. Which was weird because like, I went to this um, the big day out thinking oh you know I'm cool in my you know my homie outfit and, uh, everything was rock and roll you know yeah right everything else was rock and roll and death metal and heavy metal uh-huh. and I was actually really odd one out you know what I mean okay yeah. with my with my crew that I, I went with so being on the lily pad <laughs> lily pad is definitely odd one out stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's and probably that, that was, there's a small stage as well, probably only about a hundred people or something. Yeah, yeah, and they're all fucking wasted. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. All the flower power children and all that sort of thing. I get you. Um, so that's like a thousand five. That's two. So it's like twenty one hundred people you've played to in that space of time. Yeah, and the the, the entertainment center though. I've got to tell you, the entertainment center one. Yeah, I did that two thousand. That was that was for the Venga. I performed before the Venga Boys. Oh, dude. Yeah, that's and that was that was ten thousand people. Dude, all right. So you know, here is your credible. Here is your credible notes. Yeah. Um, Tish Lange has played in front of and supported the likes of the Venga Boys, played at Big Day Outs. Yeah. You, know, you know all this stuff. You, you know, you, yeah, you know yeah, it. Yeah. But, but this is how we could have opened the show now that I know this. Yeah. Has played, has supported the Venga Boys, has played at a number of Big Day Outs, um, Triple J Live, blah, 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 blah. Has played in front of over uh, 20,000 people. And being broadcast yeah. live to over a hundred thousand. Welcome to the yeah. stage. Yeah. So yeah. how many how many people are on your database right now? From every one of those performances, we've got twenty one thousand people that we've played to. Oh no, actually, um, uh, ten thirty fourteen thousand people we've played to roughly, not yeah, including yeah. the live to air. Yeah. Fourteen thousand people have, you've played to, and they haven't thrown shit at you. They've kind of liked you in some degree. Yeah. How many people on your list? Let's, let's, uh, let's. To, to, be, to be honest, uh, I want my Facebook or... Any list. Yeah, well, a list I, I send my music out to people and run it by when I'm making my albums. Mm-hmm. Probably I've got, to be honest, only about 25 people. Yeah, so that's a punch in the face, isn't it? I, I think that is. It's yeah. like we've, you've played in front of all these people and you said that you were doing gigs at pubs, at pubs, at pubs, at pubs. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you record any of these? Uh, yeah, some of them. Like Wicked. I recorded. I there was a Red Square gig I recorded, and there Wicked. was probably my last one. So uh, the Square, I performed a Red Square, and I performed at um, you know where the um, cinema is, just near um, Fresh FM there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's an old, there's an old, uh, there's a room there where we had a birthday party. And we we recorded that as well. So yeah, yeah. That was right at the end of my performing sort sort of cycle ten years ago. Cool, man. Um, yeah, nostalgia sells. Nostalgia sells. Yeah. You know, even even though, you know, you're not got like Kendrick Lamar volumes of of stuff, but you've got content, man. I would you do a do your own bootleg. Do your own. Here are some recordings that I've done back from the day. Yeah, on tape, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've actually, I've actually still got my first uh, studio album that I ever did. Wicked, and I actually got some tapes that I did with my cousins when I was about fifteen. Wicked, that's yeah. man. And how old are you now? Uh, Thirty-eight this year. Fuck. Yeah, me too, brother. That's that's killer. You need to um, when you've man, I've got stuff. I've got a, an actual CD recording that I got my very first album that I recorded with the band that I was with in nineteen ninety. Uh, 1992 to 2001 yeah. um, was a band that we played a heap here in Adelaide. We supported Eskimo Joe and all those kinds of dudes, and we've done some pretty good touring. Uh, yeah. I was 17 when I recorded that album. Yeah. And it's still uh, something that I love to play, and I still think that's probably my best playing I've ever done on a drum kit when I was 17 because it was so honest and so raw. There was no political crap. There was no thinking about any kind of launch. I was just there, and I was playing. Yeah, and I have since probably the last um, five years or so since recording has become uh, a much easier task. 
I've recorded yep. every show, every rehearsal, every jam, every practice session. I've just recorded this shit. Like, you can record 10 hours as an MP3 and it takes up, you know, a couple of meg. Yeah. And it's just archive shit, man. And, yeah. And if you were to dig up, if you were to dig up the nostalgic stuff of you, as bad and warts and all as you may think it is, I think that's where the honesty is in this stuff. And like you're telling a story. And so here is me when I was 15 performing on stage. I'm going to do the same song 15 years on, 20 years on. Yeah. Like here is here are the difference. And you still deliver it with the same amount of love because when you were 15, it was it was still a, an amazing opportunity and an amazing vibe for you to do a uh, uh, a show at 15. But you're now on 20 years later, 24 years later, doing shows still. Yeah. So not only have you done all this stuff, you're not a fly-by-nighter. You Not only have you played in front of tens of thousands of people, you've been at this shit for 20 years, bro. Yeah, you, yeah. You know a, that. A long time, long time. You know this. You know this. But tell your yep. fans. It's, you're not a, yep. People love that. People love that rise from and the journey. Like it's hard to document the journey that was. But you yeah. can kind of bring it all back up. Like, I'm not your manager. I'm just saying stuff, and this is. Yeah, not, I'm, not, I'm not just saying this for you. What about even like one of my favorite? I only just recently got into Public Enemy. Yeah, cool. You know, after all these years, you know, they're, they're obviously you know after the fact. But the song that I really, I actually got hooked on was Chuck D's um, song, "The Long Winding Road." Yeah, cool. and that was basically about all their their journey. Mm-hmm. It was about their journey, and it was like even though I'd missed the whole journey, I felt I you could. Caught up. And yeah, I caught up. Yeah, that's yeah. wicked. Uh, the first two, the first two really hard impacting um, uh, three records that I bought in, in hip hop world was Public Enemy. Public Enemy. Um, it was Ice Cube was it, and was NWA. Fear, yeah, was it Fear of a Black Planet? The yep, Public Enemy. Yep, one? yep. I was I was twelve though, and I started playing this shit in my room. And it was like the start of the Michael Jackson black and white seed, uh, song where Bart's playing and Homer comes in. That was what it was like. My dad kicked the fucking door in. He's like, yeah. what the fuck is this shit? Where did you get this from? I'm like, I got it from the, the thing. I got it from the record store. It's like, you can't be having that. They sell this to you. You're like, you're not even 18. So he went, dragged me down there and said, you sold this to my son. Give my yeah. money back. And like giving his money back, you can't sell him. Have you heard the language on this thing? And I'm like, Dad, chill out, motherfucker. And it's like, see what you've done. And and so Dad had to argue with him. They gave him his money back of these tapes that had already been opened. Yeah. And copied. Yeah. Because <laughs> I knew this shit was gonna happen. So yeah. Dad's like, fucking never having this go on in my house. And uh, because I was, um, I don't know, I had a, I, I recorded them. As it had, as he was kicking the door, and I was kind of recording him at that point, so I don't think I got to the end of the NWA side B, but um, like I was really digging it, and it was it was new to me. I'm like, wow, this is like Kevin Bloody Wilson, which my dad listened to, yeah, but yeah. made for me. Yeah, right. And yeah. I was playing drums along to it as I got older, and you know, I, I, I dug it, and I really got a good value for the stories that were being told in hip hop and the passion that went into it, and you know. People get fucking passionate, they swear and carry on, and that's what I think they were doing in their music. And I really dug it, and they they had me in. So, Public Enemy, NWA, and Ice Cube are still going. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Um, they're all, but they're all iconic uh, artists of their time, if you know what I mean. Yeah. They were, they were, they were sort of in that period where it went from that real underground niche thing. Yeah. To uh, real serious sort of music, you know what I mean? Yeah, they were trendsetters. Yeah, they were like the the like the gateway to pretty much music that comes out now. Mm. Yeah, man, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, how are you going to be the gateway for music that comes out in ten years from now? <laughs> well, I have to try and uh, figure out maybe a new new style of music. No, no, no. The music doesn't need to change. Their music is still, you know. Yeah. I don't know if it's the music. I think it was the attitude behind it. Yeah, you know, true. Lady Gaga got a lot of fucking press because she wore a meat suit on stage. Yeah, right. You know, she pissed okay, off. Yeah. So, you know, it's just do, do, it's, it's all publicity stunts, man. And yeah, yeah. But there's no point doing a publicity stunt if you're not giving value and not asking for an email. Yeah. Okay. Just you know, yeah. I. And these are just my thoughts, simply my thoughts. And I would say this to anybody that I'm chatting to, and yeah, and I really think your music has got some. It's got some shit that people need to hear. It's great. It's clean. It's organised. It's when I'm listening to it, I'm I'm expecting a change to happen, and the change does happen. So I'm I'm already subconsciously knowing where the changes are, and people like to hear what they know. And yeah. the reason that pop music like Jessica Malboy or whoever is yep. popular is because it follows that normal pattern of I'm expecting a change to happen because my brain has already listened to so much and my brain's conditioned to take on a, a you know, in four bars from the beginning, there's something that is really hooky. Uh, and that's kind of what happens with your music. I know that that's, you know, I haven't listened to the whole album, but the very few that I have, Everything is great, and yeah. I know that there's so much value in the stuff that you're saying in your stories. Yeah, and you've put a lot of thought into the words. And how, how, let's talk about the words, man. How do you how do you get around that? What's what's your flow? Uh, that's not that's, that's hard to say. I guess to be honest, I started off uh, really liking poetry in high school, mm-hmm. just simple poems. Cool. And we actually had to um, one of the things we had to do in high school was um, to analyze poetry. Uh-huh. And they always used to say there is no wrong answer. Mm. But of course, you'd do a test and you'd get you'd get sixty percent, and you'd be like, "Well, how the fuck am I wrong?" Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> exactly. So I think I think that's where it really started. You know what yeah. I mean? That sort of well, how come what I'm saying is wrong, and you're saying there actually is no wrong answer? Yeah. So either you're lying to me, or I'm coming up with total crap. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like so, it's like, like having a, an art test. Yeah. There's no and fucking there's the reason that art exists is it breaks all the rules. And you can't test on that. Yeah. yeah. So that's where that's where my that's where it started from. And I guess I've just developed and to be honest, since I've left school, my vocabulary has actually increased because of like the internet and that because now I can if I hear a word that I don't know, I just Google it straight away. Yeah. I don't wanna have to have conversations with me using words that I don't know. Yeah. So if I hear a word on TV, someone says it, wherever I read it, I Google it or whatever. And But, you know, 20 years ago when I was in school, you couldn't do that. Mm, yeah. Do you know what I mean? If yeah. someone said something and you didn't actually ask them straight away, you went away not knowing what that word meant. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So it, this is a true story. When I left school and I was writing an album, um, 
I, there was a guy who I used as good friends with who actually was a, you know, he, he's very, very good at English and stuff. Mm-hmm. I used to ring him up sometimes yeah. and ask him, what does this word mean, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I, I used to do that sometimes up to 10 times a day. Yeah, that's great, man. He's got your back. Yeah, so, so basically it's all about I pride myself on my vocabulary and people said I had a decent vocabulary when I left school, mm. but... You know, it's just pretty improved a lot more, you know. Yeah. So it's being that wordsmith and being able to tell a story and not only be able to tell a story, but um, also to try and have people identify with what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And so it is difficult, you know mm. what I mean? It's, it's, not, it's not easy, but um, certainly from where I come from, the, the, the roots of it is that I like poetry and I sort of disagreed with the fact that what I was saying was being told was wrong. Right. I get you. Yeah, that's yeah, man. That's that's gold. And being resourceful is what you were with with hitting up your mate and asking some questions, man. That's just being resourceful on the internet and and the people that are listening to this stuff right now uh, are being resourceful. They're going, well, I want to find out a little bit more about this guy. I want to understand where Pete comes from. Um, Pete speaks to some pretty crazy cats in the music industry, and you're one of those guys. So yeah, yeah. appreciate you hanging out with me on the on the on the uh, on the skypes. Yeah, cool, man. I've really enjoyed it. Actually, it's been a very like uh, it's been a very thorough conversation. I didn't I didn't know how long it was going to go for. I thought it was only going to be maybe five or ten minutes, but I think we've uh, I think we've covered maybe almost an hour. We have, man, and that's how these things are, brother. You know, yeah. um, uh, there's no time limit on uh, this. Is once again, it's art, and you can't rush art. The no. conversation, the art of conversation, brother. It's a lost. It's a lost. Uh, it's a lost thing. Hey, I want to do something that I haven't done yet with any of my podcasts. Yep. Um, I don't know how it's going to work. Let me, yep. uh, let me see if we can do this. You see where I'm sitting now, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. You may be on to what I'm doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Getting a bit of a... What do you got? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to bring out an old battle rap. All right. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to unplug my headphones. Battle, I'm going to bring a battle rap from what... Uh, I'm going to... Yeah, you keep playing it and I'll bring out a battle rap for 97. All right, here we go. Live. All right. Under, we're in in All right. Trump Jam. With, All right, in Jam. All right, I don't know how this is going to sound, but we'll see how we go. All right. Oh, yeah. Titch Lane with Pete Barter. Check it out, yeah. Streets got my peace man screaming before the hammer. Loose lips and ship dealers in the slammer. Grandma was a drama, then got hit by the camera. How the flip was a slip, you be nothing but a scammer. Street wide disguise, got your lies in your eyes. Why you coming never cross knows I'm lord of the flies. Love and with my rhymes, but you miss the guy. Did he do? Did he looking pretty in the city? Potential of my stats, no guessing. with my cats, it's essential. <laughs> This is where the white chick comes in and sings the chorus. Yeah, yeah, she comes in and says, sings the hook. Can you sing the hook? Uh, nah, man. <laughs> you know, like the guy from um, Fighter Bay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, I'll, do, I'll do one more little little verse. All right, I'm just trying to find a, a cool little... Good. What, uh, what about some uh, rootsy kind of... Yeah, that's cool, that's cool. Alright, here we go, here we go. Great civil rap song written by one. 
going to turn out in the mix but that's uh that's wicked yeah cool man so good wicked, yeah cool wicked. all right man well it's been awesome chatting to your brother wish you all the best man let's keep in contact i'm looking forward to hearing the uh the album when it drops in the letterbox yeah yeah it should be out early next week wicked brother okay. all right mate thank you appreciate it man okay see ya see you boy all right we hope you enjoyed pete's podcast Make sure you like, subscribe, and share with anyone you think will get value. And if you haven't already, head to PeteBarter.com for more Pete Barter content. And remember, do something good for yourself and someone else today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>